The following audio content is a talk from Convergence, a service for young adults at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website at upc.org forward slash young adults. Well, over the next couple of weeks, we are going to uh, uh, do a series on relationships called it Building to Strength. And we're gonna, what we want to look at is, is how can we begin to sort of take on this, this part of our lives that is uh, that is huge. Uh, part of our lives, especially around dating, as we think about dating, how do we how do we date well? What would it mean like for to to uh, date within within the context of uh, being a, a follower of Jesus? Uh, how would that perhaps change? How would that guide? How would that direct us? Uh, not only date well, but also as we begin marriages. Some of us are, you know, are married, or we're about to get married, or or we hope to get married. How can we begin to have a, a vision that is that is formed not necessarily by uh, pop culture or the world around us, or perhaps maybe even some of our um, uh, our own experience that hasn't been great? But how can we begin to ha- have one that is formed by Scripture that we can start heading to? Uh, now, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be uh, a lot of fun. I encourage you to, to bring your friends and uh, those who, who, your friends who maybe are thinking about relationships or have questions about it, maybe even are, are in their first couple years of marriage and, and uh, they're navigating, they're in the thick of it as they begin kind of this, this adventure. My hope is that we would be able to have uh, some great conversation would come out of this. Um, I am, my confession though is that I, am, I come at this subject a bit ambivalent. Uh, a bit torn. It, it's one in in some ways. Which I'll just I'll confess that I I've avoided um, over the the last while. It, when I say, well si- since I've come here, it, it's not that it's not important. It's not that it's not fun. I mean, you can't. There is no subject that that is more fun to talk about than relationships, right? I mean, th- there is nothing that you get a, a group of guys together. And you want to talk about like strategizing like a war room. I mean, just start talking about figuring out girls, right? You get a bunch of guys, they're all going, they're all going all in trying to figure out how do you, how, how can we figure out what the heck is going on? And, and there's tons of advice floating around and, and everyone's got an opinion on what you should do. And, and you know, and, and whoever is kind of has been bold enough to sort of open it up and say, well, you know, he, here's what's kind of going, here's what's going on. I mean, you're, you're getting stuff from all sides. You're getting, no, pull back, pull back. Whatever you do, you're an idiot. You know, the other side of the table is going, all in, all in, come on, man up. In other words, don't be an idiot, don't be an idiot. I mean, right? I mean, the strategy that goes in, and I know the same thing happens with, with you girls, right? I mean, you could talk for hours and hours and hours. There is nothing more fascinating than the mystery of the opposite sex, right? We have no idea what the heck is going on with them, but we'll continue to figure out. I had a friend, one of, the, uh, one of my favorite roommates, uh, I mean, he was a guy, I mean, he had a million theories. I mean, he just cranked out theories. I mean, if he ever goes off the deep end, the conspiracy theories that this guy has, I would buy, right? I mean, he's, he just thinks through it so well. I mean, he's an unbelievable, uh, stat- like, he could do strategy like crazy. I mean, thankfully, he's a cop now. Because if he was on the other side, he, we'd be in trouble. <laughs> Because the way he thinks, it, it, it's amazing. But you know, we would go on and on. We'd spend hours and hours, and I, and I certainly have uh, with roommates of mine. The other side, though, is it's fun to talk about. The other side, though, and here's where some of my ambivalence is, is that sometimes it goes in weird directions. That sometimes we, we end up uh, going into places where it feels like it, it just gets sticky, it gets ugly, it gets even confusing. And I don't know that the church always helps with this. 
I, I mean, there's nothing more confusing than, than inter, like, they, they try to kind of talk across the sexes. But at the same time, sometimes we, we kind of amp up the pressure. And I think what happens sometimes is that we end up putting so much pressure on this subject that, that we just don't know what to do. Either on one hand, we, we get kind of neurotic about it. And so it's like every interaction we have has to lead exact straight to marriage, right? And you're trying to just say, I just don't even know what your last name is, but you want me to, you want a ring before you're going to tell me, right? It gets, it gets ridiculous. Every interaction, every time we talk to somebody, it's kind of, you have a million people going, well, they're getting serious. Here we go. Right? You're like, can I just, I'd like to get some coffee. That's all. I like coffee. I'm not sure I'm even into her, but she seems fun. Can we just get coffee? You know, it's just, it gets ridiculous. Or on the other side, we get cavalier about it, you know, and, and, there, and it's like we, we can separate off um, uh, kind of our spiritual lives and our dating lives, and our dating lives end up being more about kind of a, the, the war room and the conquest and the, and, and the manipulation. And, and there are a lot of us that, that have been hurt because there are people that just have treated us badly have strung us along. I think one of the problems sometimes, that, especially within the church, we've got, we got to look at this, is that we make marriage too big a deal. We act like, and here's my, main, here's my main reticence, we act like marriage is the main problem that we all need to solve. Marriage is the problem that we have to figure out and solve. So, so that really, your problem, if you're single, is that you're single. And if you would only get married, everything would be okay. And, and so what we do is, the, the, kind of the anxiety get, gets ramped up. So this part of me goes, it, it, it's solving the wrong problem. The other thing, though, is that this is important, and I know it is. If we were to talk about people in whom we want to see uh, Christ, and that, that's why we're here, is we're trying to figure out how can we begin to, 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 to understand and grow in, in this call that Jesus has on us, that, that we just celebrated, that, that Jesus rose from the grave. So how does that reality somehow go beyond a sense of, uh, of great, Jesus did something, into beginning to move and change and transform my life to heal me. How can I begin to live in that forgiveness? I, mean, I, I love the beginning of Acts, you know. And I think sometimes this is the way that we can go about things, is that, you know, Jesus ascends into heaven. I mean, it was awesome. And, and yet, you know, it says all the disciples were standing there, looking up. You know, they're probably going, okay, now what, right? I mean, they have to have, we have, they have, to have angels that come by and go, hey, hey what, are you, what are you looking at, dude? Get, out, you know, get after it. And, and it means, there's tons more that is to happen. That the work of Christ didn't end on the cross and that somehow that when we become into that and we open our hands and say yes to Jesus, that's just the beginning of the journey. That it's not about somehow we, we, we've checked a box that will pay off later. It's no, that power is now at work in our lives now. No more so is it needed than in Relationships. I mean, we think about it all the time. For many of us, it, it is something that we, we long for, we look forward to. It, it, it's a part of the, the, the desires that we have in us. It, it, it drives us. Uh, it, it's what we hope for. And yet, um, many of us look around and we go, what hope do we actually have? 
because we've been hurt. Um, We've been in relationships that, um, to one degree or another, have failed and and left devastating consequences in in our lives. Getting married didn't solve the problem. Maybe in our lives or, or certainly in our friends' lives or, or, or maybe in our parents' lives. And, and when we look out, we see very, very few at times good examples of the thing that we long for, which is that long-term commitment. We, we idolize it, you know. And, and yet so often we go, but how do you actually do it? And is there any hope? Some of us have no examples to even look at uh, on how that could possibly work out well. And so as I, we begin this, uh, I want to I both raise expectations and speak grace. Uh, I want to say that, that I want us to hope and to dream and, and to go for the big goal and to not just kind of go, well, it's nice, but it doesn't, you know, there really isn't much hope for it. Because we get this kind of, we get this amped up sense, especially in culture, of like, have the greatest wedding, that's the ultimate thing, and yet we just kind of expect it's going to fall apart in, in a couple of, uh, of years, and we just kind of shrug our shoulders, yeah, that, that is the way it is at, at times. I want, us, I want us to hope for more, and yet we have to be able to speak grace. We have to have grace into our own lives, because there's probably also nothing that is more difficult to navigate than, than this very thing. There's a, there was an article uh, in this last year in Time Magazine, and there was talking about the state of American marriage, and it was pretty dire. Um, you know, it was a little bit of a, of a doomsday. I think they had, you know, two, you know, one of those little cake toppers that was falling over and all that stuff, right? You know, you know what, you know where it's going, right? Before you even read it, you know. But this art, the author. I don't know where she stands if she has any sense of faith commitment at all. I mean, she uses uh, uh, this word covenant. Some of us have heard, which is interesting. Um, but she says this, A lasting covenant between a man and a woman can be a vehicle for the nurture and protection of each other. The one reliable shelter in an uncaring world. That's what we hope for. That's what we look for. But she goes on to say, Or it can be a matchless tool for the infliction of suffering on the people that you supposedly um, love. Well, I think one of the things that we have to begin to, as we start this series, and we're going to go talk about a bunch of different topics, and, and you know, we won't be able to cover it all, but we're going to try to push into some areas where there's probably key questions. But before we do that, if before we begin to even think about moving in a, di- a different direction, we have to say, where, what's the trajectory that we're on? What is, in a sense, the, the goal beyond the goal that will sustain you? That if we say that, that we are looking for that, kind of that lifelong covenant, that will go against all odds. We have to say, is it, where are we starting? And is the trajectory, the direction that we are going, is it going to lead us to that kind of relationship? Because I think so often it, it really isn't. We say we want lasting love, but the way that we are going, the, the direction that we're headed, is leading to something that is just simply unsustainable. There was a study uh, that I read a, a while ago. It came out of uh, a western state in Missouri. And it was asking the question, what's the purpose 
of marriage. And that's what this, this gal who was writing in time, at the end, she was, trying to say, she was trying to talk about the importance of marriage and sometimes the devastating effects of marriage. And she was looking around and seeing how, gosh, we are kind of ambivalent about marriage in, in culture, even. You know, we, we, we assent to it. We spend lots of money on it. We, we talk about it constantly. And yet we also love to see marriages fall apart in some sort of kind of sick ambivalence. And she was saying, well, we've got to get a hold of the purpose of marriage if we're going to have any idea on, on how to begin uh, to move forward, if we're going to have any hope of, of turning things around and heading a, a different direction. Well, w- one of the, um, the, the study that came out of uh, Missouri, it said this, they asked all kinds of questions and they, they said, okay, try to figure out what is it that, why do people get married? What is the purpose? Well, where are we going? And, and they, they, what, what was so interesting, they said, you know, there's actually very little research that is done. We have all kinds of research on why people get divorced. Very little research on the purpose. Why are we doing this? But they did say this. The one thing that we did find is that when you talk to, to people who are single, they lift happiness um, as somewhat high. When you talk to people who are married, why did you get married? Happiness goes way down. Interesting, isn't it? Sometimes it fits the stereotype we see that it's sort of made fun of. But it points to this thing of, is happiness, is this sense of, of affection, of romantic love, is that enough to carry us? Is that the thing that, that will lead to the kind of relationship that we hope for so much? And, and so often what we do is I think what we put way, 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 way too much hope and pressure on marriage as the thing that solves our problems. If we're going to begin to begin to move in a different direction at all, we're going to have to have a different goal. We have to set ourselves on a different trajectory. And I think it, it all revolves around this. Are we starting from a place of deficit, of incompletion, or are we starting from a place of completion? Are, are, are we... Are we moving in such a way that we're hoping marriage is going gonna, is gonna to somehow fill the holes in my life, is going to somehow solve my problems, is going to somehow get, give me what I'm hoping for, that, that if I can only get married or if I can only find the right person, then everything will be okay. Because fundamentally, there's something that's wrong with me. There's something that, that, that I lack. If we're going to begin to move in a different direction, if we're going to begin to have any sense of, uh, of hope, of being any different, it's going to be because our identity is fundamentally different, that we start, regardless of whether we feel it or not, as those who follow Jesus Christ, we start from a place of being complete. When this happens, what I think happens is that we're able to take some of the pressure off of, this this is my theory, that, that we can take some of the pressure off of marriage, off of dating, and begin to, to move in a wholly different direction because now marriage is not the end goal. Kind of dating is sort of not the, the, the end goal, but it's simply a vehicle by which God is able to do something unique in our lives. But the challenge, the fundamental challenge before we start is we have to battle the lie that somehow that we are incomplete and that somehow... That, that we need something. We've got to add something on. It's sort of, it's sort of like moving through. But I, I, if, as soon as I get this, 
and I get this, and I get this. Then somehow we can add these things on, then everything will be okay, then I will be okay. It's the, it's the very lie that Paul had to, to deal with as he talked to uh, the church in Colossae. See, they, they'd come, they heard this good news. It's the Easter good news, that, that Christ is risen. And yet there was a heresy, that there was a, a challenge that was like, yeah, that's great, but you know, you actually need something more. You know, you, you actually, that, that's good, but you know, you actually, you need to do this thing or, or you need to make sure that you don't touch this or, or that you, you do this or, or have you had an experience with angels? Yeah, no, sorry. If only you had that, you'd be okay. And, and Paul is going to take this on like crazy. But be, before he even begins to sort of address some of these things, he has to remind them. He has to say, uh, let me remind you the trajectory that you're on. You are moving from completion to completion. Christ has poured out everything for your sake. And now he wants to draw you into the reality of that in your, in your life. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to uh, Colossians 1. It's been one of my favorite. We're gonna, there'll be some, some of the scripture will be uh, up on the screen, but I just want to, I want to read this because what I want to highlight is I want you to look at the trajectory of what's going on, uh, what's going on as Paul begins to talk to his friends. I'm going to read through this and, and you can follow in your, in your Bibles and I hope you do. I hope you bring your uh, Bibles with you each week um, or follow up on the screen. Paul begins this. He says, We always thank God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray for you because we've heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and the love that you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. The same gospel that is bearing fruit all over the world and is growing just as it has been doing um, among you since the day that it was heard and understood in God's grace and truth. What, what he's saying, is, what I love about this is he's beginning off and he's saying, you know, you are coming from a place, you're being told that you are not good enough. That it's just, you don't have what it takes. And what he's saying is this gospel that has come to you actually is beginning to grow. And guess what? It's not just your deal. It's actually breaking out all over the world. See, it's not about just what you can do or what you understand. No, this is happening all over the world. You are a part of something bigger. There is something that is going on in your life that is bigger than you. He goes on in verse 9, he says this, For this very reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying and asked for you and asking that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you would have endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the kingdom of light. He's saying, you want to know what this looks like as this begins to work out? This is what it looks like. You get to live out of the joy of not what you, not, you know, you get to live out of a joy of what God has already given you. He has rescued you. He has brought you from a, a place of darkness into a place of light. And, and it's not just like, hey, great, now you're in the club. It's like, no, this is beginning to take root. And we, we are praying for that. We want to see more and more of that, that you would live a life worthy of this gospel that has come to you. <coughs> it says worthy 
that word, lest we hear it all, I need something more. I, I, I need to earn God's love. If only I was so worthy, then, then God w- would give me what I want or what I need. Now he's saying, he, he, worthy is like, let me tell you, this thing is, it's not cheap. It, it, it's not powerless. It's powerful. What's worthy? Let me tell you this. What's worthy is, is that your life is full of fruit. Man, that, that's actually what you have. It's a fruitful life. That's what it looks like. It's growing in the knowledge of God. It's being strengthened. It's about power. It's about you growing into a place of having endurance and patience and joy. That's what living worthy of this is. You don't earn this. No, it's just like, if that's not what's going on in your life, if God isn't beginning that worth, starting from that place of you are complete and whole, there's nothing more you need because of what I've given you, what I've done for you. Now live out of that, man. You're not. It's kind of like it's kind of like you got the you got the Ferrari and you parked it in the garage. It's like no, you got to drive that thing. You got to go for it. Don't don't park it for someday. No, get out on the open road and see what you can do with it. Well, then he goes on. He says this: this same Christ who is doing this work in your life, who has rescued you. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things on heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Throne, or rather thrones, powers, rulers, or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. It goes on in verse 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through his blood. Once you were alienated... Um, and were enemies in your minds because of evil behavior. Now you've been reconciled by Christ's physical body um, to present you holy in His sight. Paul goes on to say what he is all about, what he is obsessed about, is that they would begin to, to grow in this good news. That they would not buy into the lie that they need something else. But his whole thing, the, 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 the thing that is, uh, he pours himself in, out into is that this, is that, that, um, that they would know the mystery, which is Christ in you. That they would know Christ and that, that somehow we would be able to be um, presented perfect in Christ. The thing he says, I, I, what I want you to know more than anything else is I want, I, I want you to be presented. Not for my benefit. I want, you, I want to give you up. I, I want to see you move on. I want to see Christ's perfection made true in your life. Now, this perfection, it's not a, it's not a technical one. It, it's a maturity. It, it, it's a sense of uh, what you were designed to, to be, what, who you're designed to do. It, it, it's a sense of uh, of not being infants anymore, but, but being fully adult. It's, uh, uh, in the last storm, I, I have a couple huge, huge, huge trees. I mean, they're, they're scary, I'll be honest, right? A strong windstorm comes in, and, and we actually have stayed up at nights thinking, we're going to die tonight. Because if one of these trees comes down, it will take out our house. And yet in this last windstorm, uh, you know, it dropped these pine cones all over the place. This pine cone will turn into a 50-foot tree whose branches could poke a hole in my roof, just like that. What Paul is saying is, look, 
you're not, you might be here, but, but this is not who you're designed to be. The end goal of your life is not this. It's that you would be a, a mighty pine, a mighty oak, whatever you want to use. That, that, that's what I want to see. It, it, there's a sense of organic growth to it. It's not that you're perfect. It's that you are, you've grown into strength. That's what I long for you. What Paul is saying to, to the Colossians and, and in some ways to us as we think about this is that the end goal, the end will of God in your life is not that you get married. It is that you would be presented as whole, complete, perfected in Christ. That Christ would be able to work out His power in your life in such a way that that your life is marked by the kind of fruitfulness that God has designed for you. The kind of strength and endurance that God has designed for you. That that when things get tough, look at this, I I love this, that when things get tough, that, that you have been strengthened with all power so that you would have endurance and patience. That, that there is nothing that can blow you apart, blow even your relationships apart. You have endurance and patience. You don't get blown over in a stiff breeze. You're able to stand in the midst of what would knock most people down. See, when we have, our, when we have kind of our, our, our sights set in the, in the wrong direction, when our sights get set somehow on our relationships being something that is going to actually complete us instead of, instead of actually a, 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 a mode, a, a, a discipline that God can use to actually bring us to perfection, what we do is we, we end up trying to build houses that, that cannot hold what we need them to hold. Who saw, who saw Where the Wild Things Are? Anybody? Movie? few of us, okay, some of us know about the book. Okay, I'd encourage you to watch it. Okay, if you want some, if you want some uh, homework, grab some friends and watch it. I, I loved it. I mean, it's kind of, it's freaky. I think I've told you that before. It's kind of freaky. I mean, there's a couple huge Muppets, basically, that are dancing around. And, and what's weird is it, it's this, it, it's this really fascinating parable. I mean, I just sat there and I was blown away because it's this fascinating parable about what so many of our relationships are, are, are like. Right. It starts off, Max gets in this huge fight with his mom and, <coughs> excuse me, huge fight with his mom and he, and he goes to where the wild things are and, and, and he runs into uh, these crazy monsters and they, they begin to look at him and they eventually accept him as king and the question that they ask him is, is this, is, is king, can you take the sadness away? Can you make the loneliness stay out? Can you fix things? You see, maybe if we get the right king, everything will be okay. So they, they go on and, and eventually what happens is when he first meets them, they're destroying their homes because the homes weren't doing what they were supposed to do. They, they thought they were able to kind of, kind of set up this village. And if they set up this village just right, if they got all the pieces right, if they arranged everything just right, those things would somehow then complete them and make their relationships work. Well, as they go on, you can begin to sort of see the outlines. Max comes up with, with this idea and he says, okay, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build the greatest fort ever. 
And this fort, this is, it's going to keep out everybody we don't want. This fort, it's going to, it's going to keep the bad people away. And then we're going to be able to have this giant pile that we hope for. Did someone get me actually some water? Sorry, my, my voice is giving out. Um, we'll be able to have this big pile in which we can all be together like we, we had hoped. Well, what happens is we quickly realize that you can build the coolest fort. You can build the greatest house. And we can set things up. We can arrange things. We can do things according to plan. We can get what we are told that we need to get. If only you, you, know, if only you have this, that somehow everything will be okay, that our life will be okay. And yet what happens is things start to break down. And pretty soon the character who... <clears throat> begun destroying early on, um, begins to take apart and destroy uh, this fort because the fort didn't do its job. The fort didn't come in and somehow solve our problems. We thought if we had the right fort, everything would be okay. Except what happened is that, that it, it wasn't that the problem was out there. It's that, that we actually brought the loneliness we actually brought the sadness into the home. You begin to see the relationships unravel. Thanks. Well, see, so often what we do is we fall into this uh, ourselves. We think, you know, if we can somehow just, um, if we can have the best wedding ever, you know, if we have the, the right wedding, you know, if, if all the bridesmaids don't look perfect and if the wedding flowers are perfect and, and it's, it's been fascinating we're spending more and more money on weddings all the time nothing wrong with spending money on, on weddings and yet it's skyrocketing like crazy that if we can sort of have the perfect wedding that somehow that will lead to the kind of relationships that we hope for you know what, what, if, we, what if we get the, the, the right house what if I find that perfect person that man just turns my crank all the time I'm just fired up about them. They're funny. They make me feel smart. They make me feel good and powerful or they provide a sense of security and he's got a job. She's got a job. We got a big house. We got the right cars and you set all this kind of stuff up and we're in the burbs. We're in a good school district and we think we're golden, right? We have this gorgeous house except that it's filled with lonely people. Right, we fall into the sometimes within even the, the church. We, we think, you know, if we get things just right, you know, if I find, if I find a person at a, at a church event, at a, at a Christian college, at a, you know, if he says that he goes to, to church, if she says that she goes to church, that they, they say the right things, that we think that it's going to be set up and everything is going to be find that somehow we've made the mistake of arranging the pieces. But suddenly we're sitting in our big fort and realize that perhaps we don't we've gone after the wrong goal that, it, that arranging the right pieces hasn't given us what we've wanted, that we're actually operating out of a place of deficit. We're operating out of a place where we think we need to add something in 
See, this is not about arranging things, getting the formula right, finding the right person, the perfect person, the person that, that I'm always going to be attracted to, that I'm always going to think is hot or attractive, the, the person that, that is, that is going to somehow that if I get the right kind of romance meter, right? If I find that right person, that somehow they are going to make it and that's what's going to sustain. It is more about us becoming the right person. Uh, there's an author who, who writes on this. And I love his premise because he said, you know, what, if, what if happiness isn't the goal of marriage? What, what if that's not the purpose, is to make us happy? What, what if marriage is, is about making us holy? What if marriage is about making us holy and not happy? Because I guarantee you that your marriage will not just bring you happiness. Okay, I'm happily married. I love who I'm married to. If romance and happiness and always being attracted to my partner and always feeling appreciated or, or, or somehow that that was the end, I would have gotten divorced a long time ago. Marriage is not a great place to find happiness. It is a great place, though, to begin to be formed into something deeper and richer than simply the feelings of the moment, my sense of personal fulfillment, it, it is a place in which we can be, God can use it to speak grace into our lives and to begin to, to move us into a place of, who, uh, into the growth of who we're created to be. Okay, what does this mean? Okay, what, what it doesn't mean, what this doesn't mean is, is that, that somehow that if we kind of say, okay, we're pushing, the whole goal of this is that we would be holy and not happy, doesn't mean that somehow we're going to escape pain. It doesn't mean that if we get things right, things aren't going to be painful. It doesn't mean that we're going to get a spouse. There's no guarantees of that. Because you know what? That's not your main problem. God doesn't think that. There's no guarantees that if you sort of do all the right Christian stuff or anything else that you will get married. In fact, you're going to see people who are half, uh, ha have half as much character as you get married before you do. It doesn't mean that you're going to escape pain. There will be pain of, uh, that, that will come. That is part of life. That, that is part of, of um, the life that we live and yet God can begin to use, do something in the midst of that. See, if you, want to, if you want to escape dealing with some of the junk and the pain in your own life because you think, well, if I just get into a marriage, that, that it'll, it'll be fine. I mean, you're in trouble, right? If, you, if you're a selfish jerk beforehand and you go, well, I'll just get a nice wife. <laughs> you're in trouble if you're not willing to begin to move towards that sense of being made whole beforehand because you get into a marriage and it's easy to be able to hide that, to mask it and, you know, you, you know, you can put on a smile, but you know, pretty soon you're around your wife long enough, or you're around your husband long enough, and, and he's going to go, you know, you're actually a jerk. What's up with that? And you can't go, well, I don't like you anymore. Right? Because they're still going to be there when you get home at night. You can storm off, but when you come back, they're still going to be there. And yet, what a great opportunity, actually, for perhaps some of that uh, stuff that's in your life that God wants to begin to work out, to get worked out, because you cannot run from it. Uh, what it does mean is that we might be able to be, grow into people who are marriageable. And what I mean by this is that we can be growing no matter what happens into the kind of people that 
we want to marry, which really is that we can grow into the kind of people that God has intended us to be. Strong. That that we can grow to strength regardless of whether things have lined up for us or not. That that we can begin to have in our own lives a a development of patience, joy, thanksgiving. Here's the thing. That as we begin to grow in this on ourselves without trying to get it from somebody else, without trying to find the right relationship, that we actually become the very people that we want to be around. That, That we become the attractive person that we want to be around. What it does mean is that dating and marriage are not loaded up with the burdens that they cannot bear, but they become not ends of themselves, but means by which we experience grace. Here's what I think can help us. That when we, and here's what specifically for dating. When we begin to say, okay, marriage is not the end goal, uh, that if I don't achieve that somehow, there's something wrong with me. We can, maybe we could take dating and then begin to say, okay, dating really fundamentally in the end is not really about just getting married because that's, that's not our end game. Dating is about how do we figure out who, who we are? How do we grow in a sense uh, of grace? Dating becomes how do, how, do we, how do we begin to understand even who to pick? How do we learn discernment? I'll, I'll tell you this. I, all my dating experience, I mean, I, it, was, it was an unbelievable classroom, right? I, I learned what a jerk I was, right? I, I, I learned what it meant to begin to, to sort of to step into places where I didn't want to be vulnerable, but that's what was needed. I, I learned how to be able to have those difficult conversations, and I learned what really mattered. I mean, for some of us, we're hoping that God's just going to plop somebody into our life, and, and yet we have no idea how to discern who that person is. Except we go, well, I think that they need to be Christian and hot and have some money. Right? And then you realize that you have that person and you can't stand them in their life because you don't know how to dis- you don't have any sense of, of what really matters and the values um, that uh, you that you are looking for. Finally, we'll find ourselves, what it does mean is that we'll find ourselves surrounded by people who are part of a revolutionary trajectory, whether they're our spouse or not. And so I, don't, I can't promise you that you're going to get married. Anybody that does is not true. It's not being truthful. What I can promise you, though, is that you might as well grow into the person that God's created you to be. And it might just be that you might find uh, alongside of you uh, a husband or a wife that will walk alongside you and be that closest of companions. But when you look at Paul, Paul is not a guy who is lonely because he never got married. Paul is a guy who, who, who will spend whole chapters talking about all the people that you need to greet because he has been surrounded by people as he has set himself on a trajectory towards what God has had. He finds himself surrounded by people who are his closest friends, men and women. This is my question for you, for you to think about, for your homework, if you want. What is it that you, if you're real honest, what is it that you're hoping you'll get, either in a dating relationship or or in a marriage relationship, that really only God can provide? What is it that you are hoping to find in a dating relationship that, that only God can provide? And then I encourage you, watch where the wild things are. Use it as a, a conversation. Talk to, talk to those around you and go, what's the whole purpose of dating? What's the whole purpose of marriage? 
What, what is it about? And, and I, the whole purpose of dating, again, is that you begin to grow. You would grow into the person who will actually make a good wife or a good husband. That, that you will know how to handle your sexuality. That you will... Because get, temptation doesn't go away when you get married, by the way. Okay? If you're dating someone who can't control their sexuality in a positive way, when, they're, when you're dating, they might not be able to do it when they get married. All right? it's, a, it's a place in which we begin to learn how to listen to the Spirit, how to be able to, to, to take all of who we are and not be ashamed of it, not, not be embarrassed of it, but be able to apply it towards an end. And the end is the glory to God and the service of people around us. This is what is truly revolutionary, is when we begin to move from what we want, a me-centered universe in which I need you to fulfill a goal for me because I fundamentally am coming from a place of deficit to say, no, Christ has poured himself out for me. I am coming from a place where I can give to you. And I can move beyond euphoria. I can move beyond initial joy that, that when things go flat, I'm not worried, but I can actually push through to the other side. That becomes revolutionary in your life and in the lives of your families. Perhaps you even have a chance to change the trajectory of your family now because of what God is calling you to do. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that uh, you love us like crazy. And um, um, you know we are broken people. Um, and yet you've come to speak into our lives and to call us on a trajectory of transformation. Lord, we so often feel like we cannot do what we want to do. Lord, I pray that we'd be able to fix our eyes on you, that we'd be able to put our weight down on you and ask for you to do what only you can do that we would be freed up in our marriages and in our dating to not expect too much from them, to not either fear every interaction or to take too much from every interaction and so squash the life out of those around us. Lord, I pray that we would be able to have our eyes focused on you, that you begin to take us and to take our friends and perhaps even... to work in our families to be able to help couples move beyond uh, the difficulty when all the, all the stuff uh, doesn't feel happy anymore, doesn't feel good anymore, doesn't, it doesn't, uh, there doesn't seem to be the romance and to be able to move beyond that feeling and go, it's not time to move on, it's time actually to begin to, to push through and see the transformation that can happen. Lord, I pray that in our lives in our friends' lives, in our families' lives. Lord, I pray that we would be a community Lord, that, that, that can support one another. Lord, not to uh, go in for shallow goals, but for going for the big goal. That we'd be able to support one another and speak truth to one another as we all begin to, to work out what it is that you have for us. Lord, have mercy. Lord, give us your grace. And give us your power. Amen.